0: Welcome to episode four of We're Actually Doing This. This is your host or co-host, Casey Ryerson, and I am with Data Woods
1: for oh, our fourth everybody. go-around. Yeah, you know, we. this has been a really great experience so far, Casey. I, I really enjoy having conversations with you in this warm-up part that's part, part of the beginning where we're just chit-chatting. What's funny as I got some texts from friends like, tell me about your snowmobiling so
0: <laughs> i actually received a message from one and it might be some that you got one but they they were looking for you to come over and fix their snowmobile so
1: <laughs> yeah maybe the same guy and i i said i'm the last guy you want to call for help <laughs> that's good you no know, the thing is i'm always willing to learn yeah absolutely
0: that's kind of the purpose of this right
1: for the community to learn about what's actually happening in our district and and just for all of us to think and reflect on what's working in our schools and how we can continuously improve.
0: Right. So um today we have uh the superintendent of Bemidji Area Schools, Tim Lutz, right?
1: He's yeah, he's agreed to chat with us and I, I'm really excited to talk to him.
0: We're actually doing this, an ISD31 production. We're pumping tires and promoting the magnificent things happening in our area, schools, and community.
1: I'm like, I'm only as funny as I can be when when uh, Casey's around. Before we get going too far about our guest, tell me about... Uh, how you are learning first of all where are you and what are you learning
0: so you call me crazy but i'm recording this podcast from scottsdale arizona it was a little uh refresher trip for me try to get back into the groove we know how teachers can feel after being stuck in a winter or anybody in the community we get sick of it but you can be hard on us right so Uh, We escaped for a little bit, my family and I, and we, um, yesterday we went to the Phoenix Zoo, and one of the things I just want to touch on is, like, learning on vacation. I have so many times where parents will, hey, what kind of work can my kid be doing while we're on a trip? It's like, nothing. Nothing, right? Just observe, watch, take note. I mean, we were at the Phoenix Zoo, and I... I thought to myself as I'm reading all of the animals and their certain adaptations that they have and stuff. And I'm reading it to my kindergartner, you know, he's looking at science. It's like go on trips with your family and learn from those. Right.
1: Yeah. so we really be present and engage with like the, all those opportunities that are there.
0: Yeah, right. I mean, just there's no reason for my kid to be sitting at the end of the night after he spent the day in the pool and, and trying to do some work. I mean, obviously we want him caught up, but I don't think he's going to lose out. He's learning from experience. I think that's very, very, very important.
1: I think, you know, looking back on the last couple of years, we've really been able to be flexible and accommodating for some of these learning experiences. And how do we share with that? I I hope to have um, Melissa Anderson on, on the show one of these days she's going on a family vacation here in a couple of weeks and she has her daughter creating a website about all the reading math science and social studies uh, that they're going to have on on display when they're in uh, Hawaii all the things they're going to learn so
0: wow that sounds great
1: and but what creating those connections with with the fam, fam teachers creating connections with families so that those kind of things can happen.
0: Yeah, exactly. And, and and yeah, having the relationship for, you know, when when a parent reaches out to me and I say, hey, bring back pictures, you know, be present. So, no, but I'm coming back to Minnesota tomorrow morning. So, this is the last hoorah, last night here. So, but um, I hope you guys enjoy the episode today. We are about to be joined by no one but... Tim Lutz, the superintendent of Bemidji Area Schools.
1: So here we are, was sitting down with Tim Lutz. I want to thank you, Tim, for taking some time out of your evening to join us to talk about things that we're actually doing in the school district.
2: Well, it's my pleasure, you know, uh, as a superintendent, my job never, my day never ends, you know, it's 24-7, so glad to be here.
0: awesome thank you thank you
1: it's great to have you here and one of the things that I really appreciate you as a superintendent is your just willingness to share your hobbies share your passions and then use that to improve our schools I had the opportunity to do some drone flying with you this week that was just a great experience can you tell us about your drone flying
2: Yeah, you know, I I thought it was it was fun and it was a a, part of it for me. You know, it's it's a little bit hobby and a little bit passion, maybe somewhere in between. Um, I've always enjoyed technology and I know you know that about me and and uh, always enjoy learning new things. And uh, so I think for me, learning how to fly that drone and then learning the various applications for using a drone, whether it's just for practical reasons or for fun has been a lot, it's just been a blast for me. And then at the same time, it gives me a chance to maybe use the drone to to teach others, um, teach others how to fly, how to use drones for photography, but also to to be able to use that technology to um, achieve some goals and to do some things. So um, I utilized the drone last fall for some videos that we did for the referendum, took some pictures of uh, our school from up in the air and shots of school buses and the sports activities going on football games and that kind of thing that we could use in presentations about the referendum and about our school district and then more recently I was able to use some some of those same videos and some new ones that I took to put together a 10-minute presentation on a uh, a seminar that I've been attending for the last couple of years it's called the uh, American Association of School Administrators national superintendents certification process. And uh, at the end of this two years, I have had to do a a summary of some work that we've been doing in the district. And believe it or not, that drone actually helped create some of the scenery and set the stage and the context for some of my presentations. that was fun, and as you know, Dana, you helped me with uh, putting that video together as a final product, and you saw some of those drone shots, so it's uh, it's really fun. It's both a passion and a hobby, and,
0: and a real good way to use technology. What what kind of drone do you have? Now, I'm jumping in with a crazy question, but what kind of drone do you use?
2: I've got uh, a DJI. DJI is the brand, yeah. Mini. Yeah, they're and, great uh, drones. Uh, Yeah, just they're they're small, but they're powerful. They have great cameras. They uh, have five miles worth of range. I haven't uh, dared. I told Dana the other day I haven't dared (laughs) test that yet. (laughs) I don't like to go too far out. Maybe a mile and a half, two miles. But I live on a lake in the woods, and it's just beautiful. That thing and take some good
1: aerial photos and video of where we live.
2: Wonderful,
0: wonderful.
1: So one of the well, this is our fourth episode. And uh, one of the questions that we always ask, we've only asked it twice, uh, is that uh, we want to hear from our guests. What advice would you give to your fourth grade self?
2: Well, you know, I have to answer that first with a question. Why do you pick fourth grade? Can I ask you that?
1: <laughs> uh, so that there's this thing that I always say is like, just finish Charlie and the Chocolate Factory game. <laughs> there you go. Finish it. And so some of no, our that's, conversations that's have just been about, like, pushing through challenging times and um, things that seem like a challenge now um, in the future end up being uh, fr- really fruitful.
2: hmm That makes good sense. And, and, you know, I believe it or not, I can remember my fourth grade pretty well. And I'm still in touch with my fourth grade teacher, Mrs. Carlson. In fact, she called. She and her husband called me four years ago. When I uh, was offered the job here in Bemidji, they live in Park Rapids and they called just to say, Hey, congratulations. We're proud of you. And I think what they really meant was, darn, you grew up. You finally grew up. That <laughs> <clears throat> you know? So I would have to say that one of the things I would tell myself as my fourth grade self is pay better attention in fifth grade and sixth yeah. grade and seventh grade. Uh, and believe in yourself a bit more, have more confidence, advocate for yourself a bit more and start thinking about your future a little bit more seriously. I just didn't do any of that. I just wanted to goof off and have fun in fourth grade and fifth grade and sixth grade. And uh, I just wish I could have maybe given myself a little a little uh, tweak in the back of my head and said, hey, wake up and pay better attention. <laughs> you know
0: i feel like every fourth grade boy needs that though right like, it's not just...
2: <laughs> <laughs> i think so and i think my parents did their best with that and yeah. and it is kind of fun, fun to know that maybe at some point i finally you know maybe when, around the age of 30 i grew up and figured out what i wanted to do
0: puts but... a little pressure on us i like that
1: so you've been <laughs> working in schools for 30 some years now what what do you like most about being
2: employed in the, in the school? Uh, three things, June, July, and August. Oh. <laughs> yes. No, that's an old one. That's an old joke. I can't even claim credit for that. I I got to tell you, it's, um, I really just enjoy the, the knowledge that I have an opportunity to work with such great potential in the Young Lives of students I've been able to interact with or uh, the people I get to work with who have that impact on young lives. Just the awesome potential in front of us when we work with students. And I also really enjoy hearing from former students to perhaps thank me for something I said or did for them 10 years ago or five years ago. (laughs) My parents were both educators, and for many years, before they retired and again after they retired, they had former students who were adults living in the community or coming back or just out of nowhere would write a letter or a note or make a phone call to them and thank them for what they did in their lives, and and that's really rewarding. Sometimes it takes 10 years, but to have a student say, thank you for how you helped me or for what you said or how you helped me grow up really means a lot and uh it's just it's a powerful thing knowing that you can make a difference in the life of a a child or a hundred or a thousand or five thousand children so i haven't been uh, around
0: for for too long in the district but i'm my first fifth grade class is now seniors in high school so it's i'm getting that finally right mm -hmm. i I run into them working at grocery stores or whatever that's that's a neat thing to have as an educator. That is like that is one of the coolest things that does keep empowering you.
2: And it's very it's very re- rewarding and yeah, but sometimes it does take seven years or ten years, but it's worth the wait. It really is.
1: So one of our goals in the podcast is to tell some stories about things that, that we're actually doing. We are actually doing this, that, that a casual observer of the district might not know about, again, hence our name, we're actually doing this. What are some of the things that you've seen that we're actually doing that people might not know about?
2: Well, there's there's quite a few, you know, one of the first thoughts that came to me to to mind is, uh, and this is something we just take for granted, but we're actually serving over a million healthy meals a year to students, breakfasts and lunches, and we're actually driving over a million miles a year with over 75 buses, getting students to and from school safely. You know, and that's, again, something we take for granted, but we shouldn't. And then when we get more into the work of the school district itself, we're doing some pretty amazing things. We're doing some awesome work with, with technology, with uh, some of the work that I see going on in the high school with uh, the broadcast and the video class which by the way, has a couple of drones that they utilize. And I also think about the, the career academies. Uh, I was visiting with uh, principal Stefanich this morning and he was filling me in on some of the great work the academies are doing. And to have uh, so many students involved in so many real life activities that go beyond the walls of the classroom to give students the kind of real world experiences that they need. To find out what they like and maybe what they don't like, like a student thinking they want to go into medical careers, suddenly realizing they don't like the sight of blood or a needle. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That that knowledge, learning what you don't want to do is just as important, I think, as knowing and learning what you do want to do. So uh, both Mr. Stefanich and I were thinking how much we would have benefited ourselves when we were in high school if we had something like our career academies. It's the envy of many school districts in our state right now, what we have in those career academies and it's powerful stuff, we're actually doing that. it's awesome.
1: Uh, so you, you spent a, some time at the beginning of your tenure here working on the vision for the, for the district district. What are some ways that you've seen that vision implemented? and then I guess a follow-up question to that is what does it look like when people are empowered learners
2: yeah you know to uh to empower every learner to succeed is is you know i i think that some of the ways that we are reaching our vision is first of all to meet the needs of students that uh They present when they come to school with us. We can't learn if we're not feeling safe, if we're not well fed, and if we're not feeling like we're cared for. And one of the first things that I was tasked with when I started three and a half years ago was making sure that our culture and climate was improved and that we did our best to make students feel even more welcome than we were doing before. And one of the ways to do that is to support students in not only their learning, but in expectations, to have high expectations of students for their learning and for their behaviors. And, you know, we have a code of conduct. It used to be called the code of consequences And we've changed the name to Code of Conduct because it's not about consequences only. It's about expectations and what we expect in that conduct. And um, I would like to see it changed to something like Code of Conduct and Support or something like that. That's more in line with the PBIS model, Positive Behavioral Interventions and Supports, to really make sure students know what is expected of them behaviorally and academically and to support them in that reaching those goals
1: we have so many resources if a kid doesn't know how to read we we figure it out right we we do assessments we work with them we figure out what they know and don't know and um, we get them down the path I like how you say that like code of conduct and support. what are we going to do to make sure that you look like a lumberjack and act like a lumberjack and then and then a a future citizen of our changing world what does that look like that's i've talked for a long time about how much that inspires me
0: right we think about relationships which has came up on the podcast and many times you know what what do we expect out of these kids what are their expectations but if they do make a mistake how are they learning you know, if it's behavioral, academic, doesn't really matter. What, what are they learning from that mistake? And and what are your teachers? What are your sports staff? What are your administrators following through with that? Right? I think that's that's the biggest part. Of what you're kind of trying to say here, Tim, is that we don't end there. You know, we got to learn from it. We don't just write the kids up and send them on their way. It's it's a learning process, and making a mistake is a, an opportune moment to learn something before, you are sent out into the real world, right?
2: That is so true. And sometimes if it's a, a pretty uh, big mistake, um, I, I've told many students, you know, let's say ninth grade, 10th grade, they did something or said something that was really inappropriate. Uh, my goal is to help them rewind the tape and say, hey, you know, if you could, if you had an opportunity to do this all over again, if we could rewind the tape, could you do it differently? And then I try to remind them that, You know, there are maybe a a consequence or two for what happened and what they said or did, but it's better to deal with it now when you're 14 years old than when you're on the job site when you're 25 years old and you make that same mistake. Let's learn now. I remember my interview for a job for my first uh, principal position, and I was asked about discipline and what the purpose of discipline was and what my philosophy was. And I told them that I believe that discipline shouldn't be purely punitive, that the word discipline comes from the word disciple, which is all about learning, development, and that discipline should be all about teaching students to learn from their mistakes. And uh, after I was hired, I was told by several people in the interview committee that that was the key thing that I said, that uh, allowed me to get hired for that school district. And I believe that still today that we need to work with students with positive relationships and positive guidance to help them learn, not only from their mistakes, but you know from everything they do and say. And even in, in the world of academics, we shouldn't be afraid of mistakes because that's how we learn. Uh, fail forward, fail fast, learn. Because failure is nothing more than learning how to do better the next time. And it's only failure if you don't learn from your mistakes.
0: Right. And and the model that you're saying, it's, it's almost harder as a teacher to do it that way. You know, you could always send people to the office and have the mm-hmm. kids written up by the code or whatever, but it's it's hard if you don't have that relationship if you have that relationship with the kid it's not so hard but there are times where a kid is doing something that is driving you bonkers and you can't figure it out but taking a deep breath and like you said just listen to that kid you know they're they're learning if you were in their shoes what would you be doing you know as frustrating as it can be you still make that choice on behalf of the kid
2: i agree and i think that's the old school way of doing things is to take the easy way out and kick the kid out of class Uh, because that's more convenient as opposed to developing that relationship and working with that student and trying to understand what the student what the student's motivation is for acting or behaving the way they are and to address that and work on that
0: and that's kind of where I was getting to it, it being a little more difficult, probably. Right. Is, is, it is more difficult, but it's it's more rewarding too down the road. Those are the kids that are going to come back and say hi to you at the grocery store.
2: You didn't give up on them, and they will rem- appreciate that.
1: Yeah. So we have a question in here about where you see the district growing the most in the next five years. What are some opportunities that you see can-
2: You know, I think uh, I'm going to go back to my capstone project, one of the uh, three different projects in in one. And uh, we addressed school safety as one of my projects. And then we, uh, as I already alluded to, we've addressed and worked with school climate and culture and then equity, the third piece. And I think that that's the piece that probably will we will see growing the most in the next few years, because equity is really something that is becoming part of the forefront of education. And it's becoming politicized, which is unfortunate. But equity is basically what we've been talking about for the last few minutes, making sure that we do whatever we need for students, give them what they need, give them the supports that are required to help them and to empower them to do their best and to be their best. Um, And equity is not a zero-sum game. It doesn't mean that... When you give extra supports to some students, you're taking them away from others. You're simply stepping up to give students what they need, whether that's uh, an IEP for special education students or some work with title or a 504 plan or just extra time and attention and support for students in remediation of academics or in behavior. But to give students what they need to learn and grow and to be empowered. And I think that's where we need to head and, and keep working on that for the next four or five years or or more.
0: And it's a matter of like making sure that everybody's getting what they need, right? Because all the kids are going to need something that's a little bit differently, but or different things. But what are you giving them all? Are you giving them what they need as a student, each of them?
2: That's right. And sometimes it is as simple as taking a math problem and approaching it angle or direction, because not everyone learns in the same way or giving students a chance to do more hands-on or kinetic style of learning or rearranging the classroom. There are all so many different examples of ways that we can provide more support.
0: Well, and it's, you know, giving the gifted and talented kids an extra opportunity to do more if, if the time is there you know if they have the time they can do it yeah there's we could go on that, that's another thing we could sit and talk about for so long it last a long time but I'm going to jump into my questions Tim if that's all right um you, bro. first off I just wanted to congratulate you on your retirement coming up I'm sure that wasn't an easy choice for you to make but um it's here you made it you thinking back to your fourth grade self did you think that you would be retiring at your age
2: Um, thinking back to my fourth grade self, I didn't think I would be a superintendent. Nobody in fourth (laughs) grade says, I'm going to grow up and be a superintendent. You just kind of stumble into this gig, you know, over the course of many years. But, um, you know, I like working and, uh, I'm probably retiring a little bit older than I would have did at some point in time, but I've really enjoyed and been honored, to be working in the Bemidji School District, and before that in Um, uh, It's I, I enjoy working, so I have a lot of mixed feelings about leaving. But uh, it's it's time, and uh, and thank you for your congratulations. Yeah. I appreciate yeah. that. What
0: What are your plans moving forward? Then, I mean, after retirement, what what are you planning? You're going to be a snowbird. You're sticking around. What's the plan?
2: Well, you know. Um, we, we live in this area, we like this area. We have two grown children who are married and who both live in the, in Bemidji. Um, our son works at the college, BSU, in the sustainability department, and uh, is a kindergarten teacher at Lincoln. And then our daughter and, and her husband both live and work in businesses here in town. So we do want to stick around. Um, you know, and I'm keeping my options open. Maybe some part time work will present itself. Who knows? I hear the district is looking for bus drivers,
0: <laughs> yeah, they always are. Yeah. good, but, uh, well, but I, I, I've got a lot
2: of hobbies, and uh, and, and and also we have a new grandson who's a year old, he turned one year old.
0: Oh, our son and daughter law,
2: and we just so enjoy spending time with him so we're looking forward to spending more time with him and maybe some other future grandchildren someday but i've got a lot of hobbies i'm I'm an avid reader i enjoy that i'm hunting fishing camping boating you name it outside i I like to do it cross country skiing downhill Uh, flying that drone i'm hoping to do a lot more of that and uh, just enjoying life outside and inside and just uh, i'll be busy that's and good. traveling, yes, we do plan to do some traveling, but this will always be home for us. Yeah,
0: it's hard to leave family. There's, there's, you know, being there to support your your family and stuff. That's a that's a big choice, and I'm sure they appreciate that.
2: Well, we sure do too. It's nice to be involved, and it's a blessing to have them close by.
0: Yeah. All right, so you moved from Kelly or school district to Bemidji and this was three and a half years ago. Now, like you said, what's been the most difficult part about that move? Like what's the differences? What do you see? What about the community even? I mean, is there, we know that the towns are way different, you know, everybody that's listening is going to know that. So try to pinpoint a couple of things that make the change difficult for you.
2: Well, you know, getting to know everyone in a district of around 5,000 students or almost 900 staff members, that's one of the biggest challenges. And then building trust. I was in Kellier for 10 years, and it took, uh, even in a smaller school district, it took two or three years to develop that trust, and we had a lot of trust. When I left, it was uh, a very uh, enjoyable place to be, and we knew each other well, and I knew every student. You know, when you have 275 students, you can get to know them all for the most part. Right. Um, so that has been challenging, just the time it takes to get to know people and to to develop that trust. And, you know, when I first started, uh, I spent the first two days going to, uh, the first two days of the school year, day one and day two, going to every school. And it took two full days to do that and to give each school about an hour of time walking around, meeting people. When I was in Kellyer, I would, I would go around the building and drop in the classes, and it would take maybe 30 minutes to get to every classroom yeah. in one building. So that's another big challenge. It's just being able to be out and about and to see people, meet people, and uh, be involved in the district that way.
0: It's hard that way for you. Like, you know, when in Kelly, you like you said, you're able to touch base with all of the kids, all of the classes, all of the teachers, all the staff members, everything. And in Bemidji, you'd have to kind of rely on your administration, your your principles to be that part, right?
2: Yep, that's right. And that's actually definitely more of the job. When you're um, in a bigger district, it, it is more, you know, it's nice to be out and about and people appreciate that. And that is important. But at the same time, you have to rely on the uh, the chain of command, I guess. Uh, from the top down and bottom up to do its job and to support people through those other people in between you and those schools and those students. Right. So it makes it a little bit less personal, which is definitely one of the more difficult parts of the move for me too because I like to be personal and I like to be around people and uh, know them and have those relationships. So it's been, been a challenge that way, but it's still been rewarding.
0: Yep. Well, I feel you on that one. That's kind of why I moved from my spot at Gene Dillon as a STEAM teacher back to the classroom because I I missed those close, close relationships with the people that were around me. So I feel you there. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> all right. So this is, this is a question I'm going to just throw out there because everybody has something that they wish they could have changed, different choices, whatever. So your job is difficult. Superintendent of schools is a hard, hard job, especially with this many people staff members, students, everything in the community. Are there any choices that you wish you could have went back and changed?
2: You know, I wish we could have uh, said no to the pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we that was two years of, Yeah, you know, of course that wasn't so much a choice, but you know, um, that being said, I hear this a lot and I've said this a lot we're educators. And uh, over the last two years, we have had to be healthcare specialists, it seems, as much as be educators and to navigate some pretty difficult political times. So I'll start there, I think. Just looking back over these last two years, I wish we had known more about the pandemic in the early days so that maybe we could have avoided some of the angst and fear that we all went through at that beginning stage and so we could have maybe continued to do more in our schools until it was until it was absolutely necessary to shut things down a bit more um but we didn't know what we didn't know back then and and uh we were also told from uh the mde and the mdh that we could and couldn't do certain things so that that made it pretty tough you know but um interesting question. I I just think that uh, along with the pandemic came more concern about um, maybe not spreading the virus by being a vector. So I didn't get around as much as I wish I could have. And again, looking back, I wish that maybe I would have uh, just said, you know what, I'm still going to go to schools more often. I'm going to be in the hallways and I'm going to meet people. We have our masks. We can do this and uh you know in retrospect i just feel like we uh really missed a lot of that relationship building because we couldn't engage as much as i would have liked us to over the last two years
0: for sure for sure
1: i agree with that in my position uh, with a district-wide position to be kind of placed in this you're in a cohort and you have to be in this building it's kind of stunted my ability to go out and connect with teachers in other buildings
0: right Mm -hmm. Well, and, I mean, the basic, I mean, the big part of it is I know you mentioned this part of politics, all that stuff kind of jumping into it right now. We don't want to sit and talk about that. But our main mission as a school district is to support the kids, right? That's not going to change. That is our main purpose as a district. And I know, Tim, just based off talking to you, that you care deeply about all the kids in the district. And that is our purpose. That is our goal is to do whatever is best for them, Right.
2: Yep, I agree. And if that means keeping them safe, which it obviously does mean as a first priority, um, then that's what we have to do with the knowledge, the best knowledge that we have at the time. And uh, right. once we achieve that, then we can begin to teach the kids.
0: Yeah. And I mean, there was all sorts of guidelines, everything that we were following and things changed and went this way and that way and everything. And it was a confusing time. And hopefully we're towards the end.
2: I hope so. I agree. <laughs> yeah, um, you, you can
1: hope this year without any consequence. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> <That's> right. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, one thing that I just wanted to touch base with you too on is that, like, I go on Twitter, and Dana, you probably do the same thing, and you see teachers, like, daily teachers that are out leaving, okay? And, just at our building, we have a couple of support staff members that are going and finding jobs other places, paraprofessionals. I just, how are we going to combat that? You know, what are we going to do to keep our teachers and our support staff? What do you think we should do, Tim? I know that you're going to be retiring here shortly, but what what is something you th- would give us advice for on that matter?
2: Hmm. There are so many different reasons all of a sudden that people are leaving the profession. My master's degree was 20 some years ago was all about teacher burnout and how about half of teachers in this country are pretty much fried by about their sixth or seventh year on the job. It's a tough and very demanding job and it has become a whole lot more demanding and difficult over the last couple of years. more politicized, um, just so much more difficult, and we're we're competing with other industries that are also trying to keep uh, their employees and paying them more. So, you know, first off, we do have to make it worthwhile to be a teacher or a paraprofessional or any kind of an educator by making sure we pay a good competitive wage. And I've always believed that. And when I was a teacher uh, and turning into an administrator, moving into the positions of uh, principal and superintendent, I told myself I would never forget what it was like to work hard in the classroom and to sometimes feel like uh, I was getting further and further behind every year financially. So right. that's an important piece, making sure we compensate our staff. But also, um, we, I've always seen my job in the job of an administrator as supporting My number one job when it comes to my colleagues is to support those I work with so that they can support their students. So support through, um, you know, moral support, validating concerns, listening, visiting people, dropping in to say hi, showing that I care, and support through uh, a decent age is crucial as well. But I also think that we need to do our best to support our staff and our schools by working hard to make that school, that culture and climate peace, making yeah. it, our schools positive places to work and supporting teachers when they do have issues with parents or students who are angry or frustrated and and backing those teachers up or those paraprofessionals or anybody in the district.
0: There's a lot of... A lot of... <clears throat> why you choose to do what you do or as an adult in the workplace is going to be who's around you, right? You're not going to want to be stuck in a place that has a terrible climate or culture. Um, Climate obviously is something that you can change a little bit easier than, than the culture of a school, but you want to put yourself in a place that you feel comfortable. You're having fun, you know, Besides the compensation piece, you still need to have good relationships with the people around you.
2: Absolutely. And if you i have always believed that uh, you need to surround yourself with good people so that your work can be good. And so you look good. You know, I mean, that's kind of a joke, but you, not, not so much that you look good, but that your work is good because you have people on your team who are good. And right. case in point would be, i asked dana to help me with uh with the project you know with my capstone project and helping me edit my presentation and because of you dana i got raves on that presentation and they want to use that as a an exemplar an example and so i surrounded myself with somebody really good and uh dana i thank you for that
1: well it's it's been an honor to work with you and I talked about your vision in the beginning and and I've seen it grow so much and I've seen the changes you've made in our district. And I'm just really heartfelt. Thanks for your leadership. These last three and a half years. It's, it's been fun.
2: Well, thank you. That means a lot hearing that. Thank you.
0: I think we've got a lot of, we could, we could continue going on and asking questions, Tim, but we've, we kind of we don't really know how comfortable our listeners listeners are right now and how long they want to listen so we're we trying to keep it around 30 minutes and we've definitely done that we really want to thank you for for doing this with us It was great answers i appreciate everything that you've said about building the relationships you know expectations for students staff members everything i think I want to thank you for the time that you've put forward too. Um, And I hope that uh, moving forward, you enjoy your time with your family. And if you do get out uh, and get to go on a trip or something to enjoy yourself, that's great too, but you deserve it. So thank you.
2: Well, thank you for that. uh, Those kind words, Casey. And uh, it's been an honor working here and I've really enjoyed these, uh, this half hour chatting with you guys it's been uh, really fun I, I appreciate having had the opportunity thank you
0: yeah i'm telling you that you, you're you only announced your retirement so you still got you're still going to work with us for a little while longer anyway you're kind of stuck with us until until june right
2: well, and that's probably a good thing because there's there's still a lot of work to do. There's yeah, exactly. And and Dana hasn't signed off on my resignation right. in time yes. yet. He's, you have he's, not, he's not seen not paperwork. Yeah.
0: good. All right, thanks again, Tim. You are
2: very welcome. Thank you, guys.